Welcome to Network, the show where we teach pastors how to effectively cast the net of the gospel. I'm your host, Scott Smith, consultant, Georgia Baptist Convention Evangelism Ministries. Welcome to the program. I'm excited about this exclusive uh, call that we've got for you today. We actually weren't even supposed to have this, and we got permission to make it public. So uh, why all the intrigue, Scott? Well, the recording was done for the state directors of evangelism for the SBC state directors around the country, and it was uh, hosted by Joel Sutherland as he interviewed live Reverend Hal Seed, Pastor Hal Seed, H-A-L Seed, who's pastor of the New Song Community Church in California. Now, you've heard of Back to Church Sunday, right? We do that every September now. It's catching on around the country. Well, it was started by this church. Hal Seed and New Song Community Church, they're very, very skilled at creating an elevated excuse for Sunday invitations. They create attractional Sundays uh, around certain events and personalities and things. And to hear him talk through that is fascinating. This is one of the best interviews I've come across in a long time, and I'm really excited to share it with you. You're going to get a lot of golden nuggets out of this, regardless of your church size. Not to belabor any of this at all, I want to dive right into the content. The first person you'll hear is Joel Sutherland introducing Hal Seed, and then Hal's going to have the bulk of the content, and then they'll go into Q&A. So let's, uh, let's tune into the conversation right now. Hey, so we're going to go ahead and get started. We've got Hal Seed on the phone with us today, guys. Uh, just to give you a brief bio of Hal, he moved to Oceanside, California uh, over 20 years ago to plant New Song Community Church. Uh, in those 23 years, New Song has led over 17,000 people to Christ. They've planted seven churches. Uh, Hal's book, The God Questions, has sold over 300,000 copies, which make it, makes it the second most used church-wide campaign book after The Purpose Driven Life. He loves pastors. He's passionate about church planning and evangelism. He's wrote a new book called I Love Sundays, and we'll, he has a whole campaign kit with that. And I'll let him tell us about that uh, before he gets off the call. But, Hal, welcome to our SDOE phone call. Thanks, Joel. I'm grateful to be with you. I'm in Southern California, so I feel like I should speak with a Southern accent, but I don't. <laughs> I, I've got enough Southern accent for both of us, Hal, so you're, you're in good shape. In good <laughs> shape. Hal, just take us, uh, and by the way, it is star six. If you want to ask a question later on, we'll let you know. Hal, take just, just take three or four minutes and give us the quick story of New Song. Yeah. So um, in 1991, I was an associate pastor in a really nice, safe, conservative Baptist church in Colorado when somebody told me that church planting was the most effective means to reach people uh, for Christ on earth. And it was like God grabbed me by the collar and said, well, then, if not you, who? If not now, when? So uh, several months later, we moved here to Oceanside, California, which is just north of Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton, and uh, took us 14 months to get 14 people to uh, agree to plant a church with us. We launched in 1992, and as you mentioned, have been fairly fruitful ever since, although I could certainly take more time on the call to tell the, the mistakes we've made than the positive things we've learned. But uh, by 1995, we led 53 people to Christ in one year, which I thought was phenomenal. I went away to a camp that week and uh, did a prayer retreat, and it occurred to me we, we'd led one person to Christ for uh, every seven days. And I was reading Acts 2.47, the Lord added their number daily, those who were being saved. And 
And uh, so I said, God, would you let me be part of a church one day where someone would come to Christ on average every day? And I, I'm a Baptist, so I don't really hear from God in the whisper all that often. But uh, as I prayed that prayer, I, I assumed it would mean I'd have to go to some big church somewhere to, to join their staff or something. God, God said to me, here's how it will happen. Uh, you led one to Christ every seven days this year uh next year ask for one every six and then one every five one every four one every and it happened like that in 2001 we we went from leading 189 to christ in 2000 to leading 506 to christ the next year and we've had some down years since then but we've never had a year where we didn't see at least 365 people come to christ uh last year we saw 2059 people come to christ half of them uh, through our ministries in the building, half of them through our ministries outside the building, or what Joel calls come and see and go and tell ministries. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, that, that's the upside of the church. I could tell you all sorts of downsides. I am not enamored of us, but we certainly are blessed by God with what he's done and is doing through us. Now, well, and, and how you just hit the nerve of everyone on the call when you talked about 2,000 people coming to Christ because all these guys on the call – basically are involved in evangelism in some shape, form, or fashion in their state. Most of them carry that title of state director of evangelism. So they are very interested in um, how you led 2,000 people to Christ. I want to I hone in on one specific thing that when Randy had both of us in California speaking uh, a, a few weeks ago, you talked about something that I just started writing when you were talking about it. And that was your elevated excuse for inviting people to church. Now, in the research I've done, we know that churches use Sunday morning and leverage it for evangelistic purposes. But here's what I know. If there aren't lost people in attendance, no one's going to get saved on Sunday morning. No one's coming to Christ on Sunday morning. So you talk about this elevated excuse to invite people to church. So take a few minutes and talk about how that came about and, and what it looks like today and and kind of yeah. your theory on that. Yeah, well, um, you know, we just try and get better every year at the things the Lord asks us to do, and the primary thing is fulfill the Great Commission. So uh, year after year, uh, we try and evaluate what's working and what isn't. And while I love doing things servant evangelism-wise in the community, what we've discovered is attractional evangelism still works. Inviting people to church is pretty compelling. Uh so here's three things we discovered, if you're writing, just write one, two, three. One is we discovered that every day is a good day to bring someone to Jesus, but some days are better than others. Uh, and then if you look, though, at the, the normal calendar of a week, second thing we discovered is Sundays are the best day to lead someone to Jesus. In America, more people come to Christ on Sunday than any other day of the week, I'd be tempted to say, than all the other days of the week combined. And the third thing that we discovered was all Sundays are good days to lead someone to Jesus, but some Sundays are better than others. And all of you know that that we're going to reap our greatest harvest of the year this coming Sunday because the easiest day of the year is to to lead someone to Jesus is Easter. Second easiest is Christmas Eve, at least in Protestant churches. That's when they come to church, not on Christmas. And then the third day when people show up is Mother's Day, although I think we generally blow Mother's Day because we center it on women and we scare men away who came that Sunday as an indulgence for their wives. But but those are big days that only come around once a year. And so the church has begun to become fairly good at leveraging those days. Uh, what, what we figured was, okay, so if we can use Christmas Eve and we can use Easter, 
as big days, why couldn't we invent some other big days for ourselves? We looked around for a biblical precedent and realized God created big days for the first church all the time. Acts 2 was a big day. We can't necessarily duplicate tongues of fire and uh, winds and all those sorts of things, but clearly God did something that day that attracted a crowd. In Acts 3, when Peter heals the guy at the temple steps, that's a big day. Everybody's talking about it in Acts 5 when Ananias and Sapphira die for lying to God. The whole city's talking about those. So uh, God apparently likes to have things happen where people are attracted to church, thinking about church, building top-of-the-mind awareness to church. And and so we uh, have, over the years, refined three things that we call elevated excuses. Every Sunday is an excuse to invite people, but the, the problem is if, if my neighbor can come any weekend, what he decides is I'll come on any weekend except this weekend. Whereas if I provide him something that he can only get this weekend, then he's got to make a choice. Like my neighbors can only come to Easter this week, so they're more likely to come this week. Uh, than they would on a normal week, and that's why attendance is always up on Easter. All your Christians come, but everybody who's ever going to come to church comes on Easter. So our, our three elevated types of excuses are, number one, what we call attractional campaigns, and we got that idea from Rick Warren. He invented the attractional campaign with the purpose-driven life. In, uh, I think it was 2005, we, we, we used his purpose-driven life campaign, and we saw an 8% rise in attendance and like 60 people come to Christ. And so we said, that's a worthwhile thing. We'd like to do more of those. Looked around and said, oh, there aren't any more of those. Rick has since then written some, and I've written, I think, five or six of them since then. Others are doing some, but a, a great campaign is written around or built around a book. The whole idea is everybody does the same thing at the same time, so it gets your people excited. It gets them lined up. Uh, it's like a, a laser the sun can warm you, but a laser cuts through steel because on Sunday you're talking about the subject, on Wednesday you're talking about the subject, in your small group you're talking about the subject, and they're reading about the subject from the book. So the key to a great campaign is it has a broad purpose that appeals to everyone and has a book involved with some regular readings in it uh, and then a sermon series that's usually four to six weeks long. So, you know, if you're going to get involved in the purpose-driven life, you've got to come now because it's only these four or six weeks. So uh, the other thing we discovered about attractional campaigns is the ramp-up is so critical that uh, churches that do campaigns year after year after year tend to get better at them because their people know this is coming and know how to how to ramp up, get prepared, uh, sign up for small groups, all those sorts of things. So we grew by 8% during purpose-driven life. The next year, I released the God questions. We grew by 10%. Uh, two years later, I had a bump in the road in terms of preparing things. But two years later, I did a book on Daniel called Future History. We grew by 17% during that campaign. Hmm. And then I was interested in the book of Jonah, which isn't really outreach-friendly, but we turned it into a campaign. We grew by 18% then. In 2010, we released a movie called To Save a Life, uh, and so I did a, a campaign built around that called To Save a Family. It's no longer in in uh, publication because it was built around the movie, but we, we grew by 25% during that. So uh, the, the more churches do attractional campaigns, the better, and what we've discovered is people are open to coming back to church two or three weeks after school starts and two or three weeks after the new year. So we try and launch an attractional campaign at each of those times a year. Our goal is to do two or three of them every year. But then a the second thing we do that sometimes we attach at the front of a campaign, or uh, this year we just did one by itself, we, 
we think people in the community aren't thinking about your church, and so they're not planning to come, they're not aware of you, but if you do what we call a WOW weekend, or for churches that only have church on Sunday, a WOW Sunday, uh, that's an elevated excuse because you can only get this thing on that Sunday. So uh, like a couple weeks ago, we had Michael Franzis in and uh, busted our our attendance records because he's a mafioso who became a Christian. He's got a great testimony. Uh, easy to invite a friend when you say, hey, you want to hear a former mafia boss talk at our church this weekend? He's the only guy who's gotten out of La Cosa Nostra and lived. Wow. <laughs> Uh, you know you've wow. got a wow if they say wow. A couple of years ago we had Bethany Hamilton. That was a wow. We had 4,446 people tripled our attendance from regular weeks because she's a surfer and I live in a surfing town. Uh, last year we had uh, a terrorist, former Muslim uh, Palestinian terrorist, who's become a Christian and now runs an orphanage in Jericho for Christian and Muslim children and Jewish kids to get along Uh he used to be Arafat's driver. He's going to come speak in our church. Wow. So we call mm-hmm. those wow weekends, and we tend to you know, uh, empower our members to be inviters by talking about these things for four weeks leading up to it, by playing a video clip of them. And usually some TV show has done three or four minutes, so that's an easy clip to borrow. And then we'll print business cards and maybe send postcards out. Builds top-of-the-mind awareness, gets people here. This past weekend I met three couples. We had Michael Franzis here. I want to say, well, it was February 28th and March 1st. And uh, I, I met three couples who have all been coming ever since then. Uh, so they came and they've come back and they've been inviting friends. Uh, the wow. third elevated excuse is what we call a comeback event. Uh, we figured out a couple of years ago, Tom Rainier helped us to know that your people are dropping out of church, right? One of the reasons church attendance is going down is, not only are people going to church less often, but your church people are going to church less often. And once they get in the habit of not going, it's like a guy who drops out of the gym. So uh, we try at least once a year to do what we call a comeback event. Uh, in fact, uh, you may know New Song from two organizations we started. One is Outreach, Inc. The other is Dynamic Church Planting International. Dynamic Church Planting International invented what you would call CPCT, Churches Planted Churches Training, that. All, all Southern Baptist churches are encouraged to go through right now. Uh, but outreach uh, was started by my associate pastor, and they're helping all kinds of churches. So uh, we started doing Back to Church Sunday in September, right before our attractional campaign or a WOW weekend. We just said, well, we'll phone text or, or send a letter to everyone who used to come to church and hope that they'll come back to church. And it went so well our first year that we branded a uh, uh, a new holiday. Uh, it's been going for about seven or eight years called National Back to Church Sunday. Um, I shared this in one of the seminars Joel was in a couple of weeks ago, and the whole audience laughed until I told him 30,000 churches participated in National Back to Church Sunday last year, and on average they saw a 35% increase in attendance that weekend. Yeah, Mike, I, what's that? I don't mean to interrupt, but that's a phenomenal statistic. Yeah, it is. I, and and I didn't invent it. I got it from Scott Evans, who's my best friend, who owns Outreach, Inc. Uh, But that's why Lifeway has gotten on board. They got on board last year. So this year, uh, National Back to Church Sunday is launching with I Love Sundays and then going into the I Love Sundays campaign that I'm right now writing for them based on the book that will come out this summer that you mentioned called I Love Sundays. So uh, people drop out of church during the summer. And, you know, you text them and, and phone them and send them letters and, 
it's an excuse to come back. If you miss this weekend, you miss it. And so Outreach wow. just posted a website, and they, they print a curriculum, and they give you a ramp-up of here's what to do six weeks out, five weeks out, four weeks out, three weeks out. And uh, just by working that technique, it's the old friend day model, mm-hmm. and uh, it works. So, again, this year we're, we're doing come back on steroids, not just come back Sunday, but when you come back, uh, the, the message I'm preparing that other pastors can use, it's in the National Back to Church Sunday kit, is uh, the right kind of Sunday can change your life. And then we'll do four weeks on how to make Sunday the highlight of your, your week, how to make Sunday the highlight of your children's week. What if there never was a Sunday, uh, which is a story of the church, and then the one thing you must do, which is a salvation message. So uh, that's wow. where we're going there, and I have no idea how much time I've taken, but I've probably used most of it. No, uh, well. One more thing on why elevated excuses work, and then we can do Q&A or go on our way, whatever you want to do. But they work for three reasons. One is because the event is appealing. It taps into a need. So uh, everybody wants to know their purpose. Everybody wants to have their family improve. Everybody has questions about God. Everybody wants to know the future, which is why the Book of Daniel future history thing worked. Uh, so it's a, a, a weekend that would appeal to a lot of people and gets your people fired up. Uh, then the second is it's a moment in time. It only happens on this week or during these four weeks. So if I'm going to invite a friend or if a friend's going to come, he's got to come now. So it lines everybody up. They can't say, I'll come later. They have to either come now or not come at all. And then the third piece that, that really works is that everybody gets involved. Because uh, with all of these things, we'll launch a small group side to it. Our goal is always to have 85% or more of our weekend attendance in small groups, and this is how we get them in small groups. We say sign up for a small group because we're starting this campaign at this time, and and uh, so if they miss that, they're like, oh, everybody else is in a small group. The next time we have a campaign, which we do twice a year, they sign up. They, they learn when they come to New Song, being part of a small group is what you do. So if you were to study our growth uh, we've doubled in the last, I don't know, seven or eight years or so. But all of that increase, churches surge and then consolidate, surge and consolidate, and all of our increase would come from either attractional events, wow weekends, or comeback events. Okay. So uh, my secretary's assistant here with me, Catherine, she sees I've written an entire page of notes. Uh, how I felt like I just write a church growth plan on one sheet of paper um, it, at least for the come and see aspect. And, and I know the guys listening, you know, if you heard Hal say in the beginning, about half the people, they led 2,000 people to Christ last year, about half were through the come and see, half were through the go and tell. Uh, we don't have time today to talk about what he's doing through the go and tell. Maybe we can do that another time. Hal, let me ask you a few things about um, the come and see. Uh, let, let me see if I, I'm summing this up correctly. Uh, as far as the elevated excuse, Every year, you do two to three attractional campaigns, two to three wild weekends, and one comeback event. Is that about right? Um, we usually do. We would like. We do two or three campaigns, usually two. We like to do two wow events. The problem is they're expensive. So uh, the last three years, we've only done one wow event. Um, and we do one comeback campaign in September, but... For the last two years, we've been doing I Love My Church Sunday on the second Sunday in January, which is the Sunday preceding when we'll launch an attractional series. 
And that has worked really well for us as well. We've discovered the power of T-shirts. So like this I Love Sundays campaign, we'll, we'll give an, uh, we're not sure what we're going to put on it. It might be uh, Great Sundays Make Better Mondays or something like that. But T-shirts are, for us, a part of the Comeback event. And we do those. This year's National Back to Church Sunday is September 20th. But we will also do something on, I think it's January 10th, whatever the first Sunday, the second Sunday in January is. We'll do an I Love My Church Sunday, too. So those, but again, I'm in flaky California, so people drop out probably here more regularly than in other parts well, of the and, country. Well, and if I remember correctly, Hal, uh, you can, we, the reason that T-shirt idea works, you wore one of the T-shirts one night. Yeah. You can't get the T-shirt any other way but being in church on that day. Right. Yeah, and we tell people that, and we'll give them to our staff four weeks ahead of time, so they're wearing them around, and everybody says, how do I get one of those? Well, you've got to come on this date, and we'll give, one, give, give you one. Our first year, we only gave them to adults, and, uh, you know, they're expensive. We'll spend 10000 bucks on these T-shirts. But, but our kids said, well, I love my church, too, which just broke my heart. So this year, we gave them to kids, too, and they're great marketing tools. I was in the grocery store on Monday, and a woman pointed to my shirt and said, where do you go to church? I told her and gave her a card. I don't know if she'll come, but I've checked out of her grocery line 50 times before, and she asked me about my church, so it's a great marketing tool in and of itself. But, yeah, we give those away on Comeback Sundays. Okay. Uh, let me say to the guys right now, if you want to ask a question, hit star six, and it puts you in a queue, and we'll just do those one by one. We don't have anyone in the queue right now. So if you have a question for Hal, just hit star six. I'm going to ask one more question and let him answer it, and then if you have any, we'll let you ask. Don't miss the opportunity. Um, Hal, what kind of marketing materials do you give out for these campaigns to your church members? Well, mostly we give them business size cards. Um, we used to give a bigger card, but we figured out that guys don't carry a bigger card, whereas if you give them a business card with, you know, the, the series title and a graphic on one side and then a, uh, a map and your website and phone number on the back, that's really, well, or maybe your service times, that's all you need. Most people check the website before they ever come to a church now anyway so and you can get a thousand cards for 20 bucks so we print those like water anytime we do any of these events then if we have the money we'll use outreach to send uh, postcards out we're experimenting with facebook we've used the newspaper but in our area only old people read the newspaper so we don't think that that's necessarily uh, where we want to target and nor is it good money for us so uh, but what we know is the power of inviting is the best thing, and so if we can get our people to take cards, like I was at the Y yesterday, and one of the, the uh, guys behind the desk is a member of the church. I started to hand him a card so he could give it out, and he showed me three. He said, I'm giving these out. And I said, oh, good for you. He said, do you have any more? I said, yeah, I got an inch full in the car. So he walked out to the car with me, and in the next two or three days, he'll give 50 cards out. That's oh, wow. much better than a mailer, although a mailer works, and... We have four campuses right now, so the other thing we will do at some of our campuses, particularly it works with smaller churches, is we'll organize work teams who will go and pray over neighborhoods and leave door hangers on their doors. And Outreach uh, prints up prefab door hangers that you can take the backside. Uh, you run, they're, they're three up. You run them through your copy machine with your copy on the backside, and they cost like uh, three cents a piece or less than that when you buy them that way. So we do door hangers some as well. Okay. Awesome. Okay, I think we have a uh, question. Um, is this Wayne? 
Hello? Hey, Joel. Hey, Wayne. Hey, uh, look, uh, one of the questions I, I was wondering about is once, once uh, let's say, on any, any given Sunday, whatever that Sunday may be, but let's say uh, I love my church Sunday, uh, and, and you've got these people in your building, how are you going to – do you give a – uh, come down to the front invitation, or what do you do at that point for decisions, and then what do you do to follow up the decisions? Yeah. So, Wayne, our church is built around systems, just like your body is built around systems. So what I gave you was uh, a bit of the core of our evangelism system, but what you're talking about there would be, well, part of it would be evangelism is how we give a public invitation, but equally important is our assimilation system, how we follow up guests, whether they come to Jesus or not, and we have a whole uh, whole system that deals with that. And if you go to pastormentor.com, you can get... Um, videos on on both of those things or you can buy ebooks for 4.99 on both of them as well but in in brief so uh i rarely have people come down to the front because that's a little daunting and uh when i've done it and one guy comes down front that feels uh-huh. awkward to him and mostly everybody so usually what we do this would be we don't give an altar call every Sunday, but I'd say we give them 80% of the time. Uh, I'll have everyone in the room pray the salvation prayer out loud with me, and then to celebrate, if this is your day, if you prayed it for the first time, pump your fist in the air. Uh, and, and I have people at the back who are ready to mentor these folks. So they come forward while people are applauding, and they hand them something, and I say, hey, this is just your first step with Jesus. It's like you had a first date. Uh, we want you to walk with Jesus, and so uh, don't be scared. They're going to give you a gift, and it's got some helpful stuff in it, and they'd love to chat with you. Just talk with them for a few minutes afterwards. Our goal is to get them into a four-week mentorship relationship. We call our class DIRT because it teaches about the four soils of Christianity and how to be a reproducing Christian. Our goal through that is to introduce them to the church, to, to prayer, to you know how to study the Bible, or at least where to start and that they ought to get baptized, and they ought to join a small group. So uh, that's our putting a spoon in their mouth till they're old enough to feed themselves kind of thing. I think, your question is really good, I, I now have come to believe that the most important 20 minutes of a person's eternity are the first 20 minutes after they express faith in Christ, because that's like a make or break. And uh, I wish that the parable of the four soils wasn't in Scripture, but the truth is, of the three that respond, two of them don't go on and grow, and I don't think they're going to heaven. So we work really hard to get them into a relationship with someone who will meet with them four weeks, get them baptized, get them into a small group, teach them to do the things I mentioned. All right, if I understand, then what do you do? They, they, they throw their fist in the air, uh, and, uh, and you have these people down front who then go to them? Yes. I have them. I, we you, we usually have them at the back. If like okay, this back. we'll probably have them in the front and back. And they know when I'm getting there because I say in just a minute I'm going to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to give them some benefits. You know, you can walk out of here forgiven. You can have your sins washed away. There'll be a sense of purpose in your life and a little less sales pitchy than that. But when I start saying that, I'll see six or eight or ten or twelve people stand up, uh, and they'll go to their positions. And um, so. And, and they have a whole system worked out where they know, you know, they're pointing at each other, who's going to go talk, well, that's a guy, so you go talk to him and that sort of thing. And, and the goal is that they actually start the conversation before the church service is over. Okay. Hey, thank you, Wayne. That, that, did that answer your question? Yeah, that answered my question, yeah. Good, good. Thanks, Wayne. Any, if anybody else has a question, we don't have much time left, but hit star 
six quickly, and we'll throw you on with how. And uh, in terms of outreach resources, we have a whole bunch of them that might be of interest to you. Uh, right now I'm mentoring uh, about 100 church leaders here in the San Diego SBA, and uh, so every month we're doing a 90-minute teaching that we're putting online now so that others can get them. They're called, uh, uh, what are they, pa Monthly Pastor Mentor. Uh, but in addition to that, I'm, I'm writing e-books on the systems, and these are all at pastormentor.com. Uh, and then there's the campaigns that we've mentioned, and I hope you'll all participate in I Love Sundays. My, my prayer is that a million people are going to show up in 10,000 churches, and uh, we're going to get people's lives rebalanced by realizing that they ought to build their life around the rhythm of Sunday worship, community, and, and all of that, have a Sabbath day. So, oh, Awesome, awesome. That. We've got, we got one more question here. Is this Jack? Oh, Jack, we lost you somewhere along the line. Uh, let me see if I can grab you back. Are you there now? Jack, is that you? This is me. All right. You had a question for Hal? Hey, Hal, uh, most of us minister in areas where the churches are probably 100 to 150, probably looking at maybe a dollars $125,000 budget. When you think about, you know, two or three major events uh, or mm -hmm. major attractions, um, starting at that base, what would you think would be a good idea of monetary investment for one of these things? Here's the reason why I ask question. that question. The uh, reason why I ask the question is because, you know, most of those churches are, are just being driven out of a, a line item budget. Yeah. So, and, and for many of them, this might be a new concept. Yes. Uh, or it might be a concept maybe that was tried five, ten years ago that failed that might not, you know, want to be revisited again. So that, that's what I thought I'd ask. It's a good question, Jack. I appreciate it. Let me preface it by saying I live in Oceanside where more than 50% of the populace are Marines who make probably less than the people in your neighborhoods make, but the housing is a lot more expensive here. So our offerings are what we call the power of snowflakes. We don't have huge givers that well endow us, but if you put enough snowflakes together, you can stop traffic. Uh, so we try and teach people to tithe, although you know we have a rapid turnover because our, our guys are leaving every 18 months to go to Iraq or wherever. Uh, so money is always a challenge, has always been a challenge for us. Uh, we, we solve that in two ways. One is we do an annual Christmas offering where part of it would go to missions like all SBC churches, but uh, we fund outreach that way. We say we can't afford this in our regular budget, so we're going to ask you to give your best gift to Jesus this year. Jesus is the reason for the season, and so if you were going to buy your wife a $200 present, you can't say it's Jesus' birthday unless you give him at least the same amount. So we, we talk about it starting October 15th forward, and we do kind of a, a mini, not capital campaign, but right on the spot, sometime in December, give your best gift to Jesus, it will go to outreach. It will fund these T-shirts, these advertisements, the payment of the wow guy. Uh, but the other way we pay for them is uh, we have found that a love offering often covers the entire amount. Like with, with a big speaker, it could be that, that he will ask us for a guarantee, but occasionally that guarantee will be met just by the love offering. So we would say at the end, hey, if you'd like to contribute to what this guy's doing, you know, we don't normally take a second offering, but here it is, and we'll reap two or $3,000. But again, our church is a little bigger. So um, another way we help pay for them is uh, all the books I write 
include the study guide at the back, and our goal is always to sell them to you in bulk for well under $10. Like the God questions you can buy for, I think it's $6.95, which includes the questions at the back. So uh, there are about 2,000 churches that have used this already, and generally what they do is they buy those and they sell them to their people for $10 a piece, which isn't a bad price for a book. They're able then to use that $3 to fund outreach and advertising and all that around the campaign. So usually those campaigns can break even. The problem is if you use a paper, uh, hardback book that costs $20, People are really straining to do that, and then if they have to buy a study guide that costs six ninety five on on the side, that's like fifty two bucks between you and your spouse. So those can be really expensive, which is again why I started writing was because I wanted to help people with that. So uh, the other is when we were smaller, I looked for what you might call mini wow things. Like uh, when we were at maybe two hundred, I invited Jay Schrader to come in. Jay was a former All Pro NFL quarterback who was. 15 years removed from the NFL, so he wasn't doing a lot, and you know, paying him three or four hundred dollars uh, was was a fair deal exchange. And and you know, at the end of the service, I said, hey, as you can imagine, we've incurred extra expenses. If you'd like to help us, so if you're smaller, you have to look for smaller wows to to make the budget. I, I have a friend who spends fifteen thousand dollars because he's got a five thousand dollar. 5,000-member church. So you just have to scale it. But the point is, this guy's coming this week, and it's the only week he's coming. And we've used people like uh, a Christian um, news anchor in town. So she's a big name, but she came for free because she's a Christian. Uh, we had Mrs. United States and had all the tweeny boppers in our auditorium. She came for a love offering. So there are ways to do that. The real trick on those is that the pastor has to devote enough time to find someone and get them to come. Okay, thanks. Yeah, great, great question and great answer. Hal, thanks for joining us. And again, uh, the main hub for them to go get a lot of your uh, information and stuff is pastormentor.com. And guys, when we send out the show notes, we'll uh, send that to you in the uh, email so you can go connect with Hal. Hal, thanks for being on. Thanks for giving us your email address. And thank you for giving us your time. My pleasure. I pray that God makes you all really fruitful. It's the one thing that's going to last for eternity. So keep going. Amen. Uh, Thank you, Hal. All right. God bless. You've been listening to Network, a program dedicated to challenging believers to cast the net of the gospel. Network is a production of the Evangelism Ministries of the Georgia Baptist Convention.